right, everybody. Welcome to this week's Sorting the Tropes. I'm Aaron. I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance novel veteran. And I'm the Virgin. And we're your host. Hi, Clayton. Hey, Aaron. How's it going? Good. How are you feeling? We just had a bitch session before. Well, we didn't have a bitch session. I bitched at you for uh-huh. a good, uh, what, 15 minutes before this recording. And you know what? <laughs> I feel much better. So thank you. Well, you were bitching about me. You were bitching no, to no, me no. about a separate situation, which is the best. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. No, I wouldn't be so gleefully recounting the fact that I just <laughs> bitched you out, like chewed you out, and now I feel better. <laughs> they'd be like, if somebody's listening to this for the first time, they'd be like, oh, is that the dynamic? Because that's an awful dynamic. That seems just like upsetting. And it also would be so weird for you to sit. Yeah. The situation in which you would have 15 minutes uninterrupted just telling me <laughs> things that you were annoyed about me is not a situation that would happen. Just spewing bile in your direction. Yeah. I'd be like, no, I'm goodbye. <laughs> this is we're done, I guess. Um, no, but I think everybody we all need to do that sometimes. We all need to like just kind of like complain or just talk about a situation. And then sometimes you're also like, and there's nothing to be done, and then you move on. This is why talk therapy is such a big deal. Yes, absolutely. Because once you get it out there, it's like if you say it or if you write it down. It's Mm -hmm. one of those things where it's like you can look at it or think about it in a different way than if you're holding it into your internally where you can't really figure it out as well. Are you a journaler at all? You know, I'm one of those wannabe who tried. I I tried several times to, to do that. And I just can't keep the routine. Where are you a journaler? I know. I mean, because you do a lot of writing for your pen pals, but do you do a similar yeah. amount of writing in your personal life? I think writing to pen pals ends up being a bit of a journal, even though there is a dedicated reader in the way that, like, for a journal, there really isn't. Like, you, we, most people write in a journal knowing no one will really ever read it. Mm-hmm. But then, but there is like that level of intimacy. Um, in pen paling that then you, but there's somebody who's going to read it ultimately. Um, I do, well, in the past I've done like the artist way. And then um, part of that is doing the morning pages, which I don't know. I think maybe it could be like a fun practice for you. I'm just saying. Oh yeah. No, it's something that I've actually thought about, especially Mm -hmm. like you said, morning pages, that sort of thing where start out the day, put down all the stuff that you're thinking, what you want to do for the day, but also what's on your mind, what's keeping you, what's making you anxious. I mean, that would be a whole, I don't know if I would, (laughs) I mean, that would take till noon if I got up at eight and then uh, talked about what's keeping me anxious, but. Yeah, uh, I think the thing that's fun about morning pages is that it's just three pages and it is also like you could write anything. So even if you're like, I don't have anything to say, you just write like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. And it mm-hmm. is a really um, great, I think it's like, a, it's a really great tool. When also in news about me, as I was diagnosed with ADHD last week, <laughs> which was oh, a nice. long time coming. <laughs> a long time coming. <laughs> Um, yes, this is something I wasn't sure you were going to talk about, but you told me about it this weekend. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, but, and, it was, it was, it was nice. You, well, you, you explain. What? No, you, you say how you feel about it because I think at the end of the day, it was like a good thing for you. It was definitely a very good thing. I think I, you know, obviously since I was diagnosed, I've been researching it a lot and it turns out a lot of the times women's women aren't diagnosed until they're in their mid to late 30s. So I'm actually right on track in in nice. like when my diagnosis comes. And it was interesting also to be reading this book too because like Pandora clearly the book we read this uh week is the devil in spring and the heroine pandora certainly also has adhd so it was just kind of like funny timing for that to happen but what i was saying is like part of adhd like there's a there's a part where uh you can be medicated if that's something you choose or there's other tools that you can use and one of the things is basically like if you 
want to have a day where you are completing tasks, you need to complete a task as early as possible first thing in the morning to kind of like set thing, that up as the um, motivation for the day. So, so that's in the way that like morning pages really works because it's like, okay, I've accomplished something already so I can keep accomplishing things. So, yeah. Well, that, yeah. Well, that's awesome. And um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see the more you – now that you have your diagnosis to to kind of see how it affects your life in the way of being uh, nicer to yourself with certain things, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the, I mean, that was the big thing with the diagnosis that was like heavy is, you know, obviously I'm, you know, in my mid to late 30s. And I kind of realized uh, you, you have a certain view of yourself. And I think I, I thought of myself as being inherently a lazy person and inherently like not a very intelligent person um, because of different characteristics that I was experiencing because of the ADHD. And so to find out like, no, like it's not that it's, um, you know, you're, you're working against a, a chemical imbalance in your brain that is just like nice to hear if nothing else you're just like okay well now i understand these aren't like inherent moral failings not that whatever those are not that those are inherent moral feelings but you know you can be pretty hard on yourself when it's your own characteristics so yeah and i i wouldn't be too hard on yourself for thinking that those things are moral failings because we're i mean i'm older than you obviously but we're around the same age enough that we were raised uh, just in a society that makes those things moral failings. Yeah, you know, exactly. so it's 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 natural that we'll f- we would feel that way about ourselves. Yeah. Which so yeah. All that is to say, we have a new patron. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's welcome yes. our new patron. Yes, so welcome Ella Smythe. To the Patreon, we thank you so much for your support. Yeah. And then Um, we got to dig into this book because, like you said, it is very fitting that Mm -hmm. we're reading this book, The Ravenels, number three, Devil in Spring, by, of course, Lisa Kleypas, starring Pandora Ravenel. Yeah. Who? Is not diagnosed ADHD, but was uh, is coded that way. Yeah. Yeah. Let's judge this cover real quick. Um, it's gorgeous. Gorgeous. Yeah. Yep. Gorgeous. Stunning. Beautiful. Uh, like I've said before, I think the Ravenel covers are really knocking it out of the park. Every single one is mm-hmm. is really gorgeous. We've got our heroine Pandora. And she's just looking gorgeous in this dress. There's like, it's like a, and I'm colorblind, so this is hard, but it's like a purplish color around her. And Mm -hmm. she just looks just ravishing. Yeah. It's a beautiful, evocative cover. And so, yeah, Clayton, what was this book about? This book is about Pandora, who's a Ravenel. Mm -hmm. And she is... It starts out with her being part of the season. She doesn't want to be part of it. She only is doing it so that her sister can do it too. And she very quickly gets herself into some trouble because she gets stuck in a, pretty much gets stuck in a chair, right? Like a sofa of some sort. Yeah. Like an ornate, like Victorian sofa. Yeah. And then uh, Gabriel who is the son of Sebastian St. Vincent and Evie. Is that how you say it? I always get that wrong. Yeah. Evie, who we read about before in the Wallflower series, correct? Yeah. So their book was The Devil in Winter. Yes. A a classic book. A great book. Mm -hmm. And they're actually the first scene, and that's a great first scene. But... What happens is someone walks in on Pandora and Sebastian, who, I'm sorry, uh, Gabriel, who is trying to get her out of the 
sati, right? It's called a sati or something. <laughs> is that what yeah. it's called? A sati is like what British people call like a sofa, a couch. Yeah. yeah. Great. So, uh, and so they, uh, she's compromised and mm-hmm. she doesn't want to be tied down. She doesn't want to have a husband. She wants to be able to get her, her board game going. She doesn't, she, she feels like a man will want to protect her and she doesn't want that. She wants freedom. And mm-hmm. so that's their struggle. But then they go to the uh, St. Vincent's. Like, uh, they, they go on a uh, – I mean, basically, they go and hang out together for a while and start to really like each other. Then Pandora goes to a printing shop to talk about her game and gets caught up in this crazy, like – Irish terrorists <laughs> who try to kill everybody with bombs under the floorboards and she mm. gets stabbed and almost dies and mm-hmm. then Gabriel has to make the decision as to whether he wants a female surgeon to save her life or not that's a huge <laughs> thing in this book where he's like I don't know I guess I'll let the woman do it uh, which of course is of the time I understand that but again it's 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 really not I mean it is humorous now to look at it as that being like such a struggle and a heroic decision for a man because at this point you just be like give me the best and she becomes a a, a board game magnate kind of I mean her board game sells out <laughs> like the 500 copies of the board game that was made sells out yeah. Uh, so, so that so that's that's the story in a nutshell. Yeah, that was a real old school, like back when we first started doing this, and you would like over explain the first chapter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a rambling. And then you would run out of steam for the rest. But this, you like really explain the ending, which is interesting. Yeah, it's old school. Well, you know why is because this is a classic Claypest cl- like bonkers last. Mm-hmm. like eight percent of the book <laughs> where i'm like oh so all the crazy shit is gonna happen now yeah so much of it is like so just like chill and calm and then it's like oh yeah and then um there's yeah irish terrorists who are able to stab pandora in this very specific way to make all the blood draw into her throat like her thoracic caf- cavity so how did it make you feel as an Irish person? <laughs> I'm an uh, American ha- person. But yeah, I think the oh the yeah, listen. The the big um the funny thing about reading these books and enjoying these books is how much I do am an anti-monarchist and how much mm-hmm. I, I think none of these people should have any power. But you know what? It is a fantasy. And that's part of it. And I think that's part of it with like um enjoying these books as you call it kind of have to put some things out of your mind but obviously i'm on on the side of the (laughs) irish terrorists yeah the people were about to bomb that entire and like kill the prince of wales i was like fine (laughs) do what you gotta do so in reality that would be how you would react but in this milieu the romance milieu you obviously have to root for the hero and the heroine to survive and uh, get married yeah. Well, I understand that there was innocent people, and I would not want innocent people to go down. Um, and Pandora yes. being being an innocent person. Yes, um, that's where that's where the 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 uh, heroes can become villains when they don't take into account innocent lives. Exactly. Um. Yeah. What did you think of this book overall? I liked it fine. I'll be honest mm-hmm. with you. I think so far it's my least favorite of the series. Oh. Uh, Pandora was okay. <laughs> I didn't love her, though. I'll okay. be honest with you. What kept you from but, loving her? I, 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 I like that she wanted to be independent. Mm-hmm. And I totally got her wanting to be able to do all these things. And I rooted for her in that way. I I did like how she, one of the reasons she didn't want to marry Gabriel is because he was too handsome. 
<laughs> and a, a husband shouldn't be that handsome because women would just throw themselves at him and it would just not be a good a good scene. So I like that. I, I, I She's the kind of character that bothers me a little bit with like the made up words and things. Mm. You know, it's, it's a little precious. So I don't think it went too far. I mean, we've read some books that have gone far in that direction that I really have had an issue with. But still, she just wasn't my favorite. And for someone to be Sebastian St. Vincent's son, I like Gabriel didn't do it for me, mm-hmm. which is shocking because, you know, St. Vincent is not my favorite, but he definitely is a guy that, you know, he was a villain uh, for a moment at the end of, his, of the book before his. And then as soon as his book hit, I mean, He's a he's he was great. Like I loved him. I really came around on him, mm-hmm. and it was because you know, he shaved uh, Evie's father, right? Yeah, that's one of my favorite scenes ever. When uh, he shaves Ivo, and I really loved seeing those two, Evie and him, in that first chapter where they're just talking about how their son is in this predicament with Pandora and ends with him being like, let me just ravish you again for the thousandth time or the millionth time. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. So like, there's something about the two of them together that it, it, it didn't reach those heights with Pandora and Gabriel. So I think it was, it was unfortunate because if I, I think I enjoyed this book more because of having read those other books, but the central story also paled because of that. Yeah, it's hard. It's because I do think Devil in Winter is is one of like Claypass's best books. And so it's going to be really hard, like hard to have to live up to that level. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. it is interesting, too, because for Gabriel, it's like his parents are very much in love and like they kind of still have to be. And even mm-hmm. though his father was definitely a villain, he wouldn't have known him in that capacity. And so it's like, how do you give, you know what I mean? Like, because the thing that you would normally do, right, is have there be a bad dad or a bad mom or a tragedy or something. And that is like the big wound of the hero. Yes. But kind of with this, you can't because that would mean Evie or Sebastian are dead or bad parents. And I think both of those are hard to imagine. And so what happens is sort of Pandora gets all the personality and it's a lot harder on, like, for Gabriel to really stand out. Yes. Because she gets the backstory of her father hitting slapping her so hard or hitting her boxing her ear to the point where she lost hearing and also has equilibrium problems Mm -hmm. so she gets that you know bad dad sort of backstory which like you said is very tropey and does add to i think especially with a hero can they overcome their upbringing? And, and like you said, it, it, he comes from such a loving home mm-hmm. that good for him, absolutely good for him, but not great for us when it comes to <laughs> angst, you know? Yeah. Or some, I, I think, and um, Jen of Faded Mates, uh, Jen reads romance on Twitter. It, yes. She tweeted something interesting talking about this book specifically and talking about reading this book kind of post-Roe because for Pandora, a lot of what she's saying like still kind of rings true and kind of feels even a little bit more true in this uh, new society that we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's interesting because Pandora and Cassandra – and Helen, to a lesser extent, are talked about as being, like, basically, like, wild creatures. Like, they have not grown up around anybody. Their parents, like, just fully were not interested in them. And so they didn't have the kind of strict upbringing that a lot of women of their time did. And the thing that I think is interesting about the two of them is Cassandra very much, like, 
wants to create something that she never had. So like Cassandra's very much like wants to be married, wants to have children, wants all those things, I think, because she didn't have that. And so she wants to experience that. And I think it's interesting that for Pandora, she doesn't want any of that because she was never brought up in a way that that was shown as necessary. And yes. so t- having that be taken from her, she's kind of like, okay, well then what do I want? And um, Pandora, I get the like made up words and things like that. But the thing about Pandora's brain that I think is really shown is how much it is constantly moving and working and always at like a hundred miles per hour. Mm-hmm. So even just that getting married, the, the thing that she was worried about was like kind of the boredom of that task. And like, that's kind of the only thing that she would concentrate on. And she wants to be figuring out games and she wants to be doing these sort of like complex things. Yes. Um And then, so then, you know, when she's confronted with having to marry this guy, she's kind of like, no, because I would have to give up the, everything to do with the wanting to be, uh, like a professional businesswoman, but also like all of those decisions that she wants to be making all the time and all of those little things that she wants to be in charge of would be taken away and would be put it in her husband. And so you really understand her fear and reluctance to marry, and I would say, um, you know, she is, uh, you know, she she definitely likes Gabriel from early on. Mm-hmm. And she's unable to waltz because her equilibrium is really bad because of her pierced eardrum that never got treated. And Gabriel kind of like has her waltz, uh, teaches her how to waltz in, a, in like a very sweet scene. And then she's like, okay, That's yeah, I'll cool. marry you. And normally that scene, you feel so much like excitement and you're like oh yay they're gonna get married and like we're reading a romance novel we want them to get together and I will say there is a melancholy to that scene where I'm like oh no she can't get married like she's giving up too much you know yeah because you do and obviously this is gonna be a happy ever after because you know it is it's a romance Mm -hmm. but I think we I, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I'm sure you know you've you've had a lot of friends and and witnessed a lot of relationships that people have had, and you, you do have those people that are such individuals yeah. when they are single, and then as soon as they get tied to somebody, they start losing those things that made them who you loved and who you wanted to be around, mm-hmm. and. You fear that for Pandora. I mean, nothing against Gabriel, but like you fear that for her, right? That she's gonna succumb to some of these things or 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 have to just like clamp down on her ambitions for this this man. And I think love, it can be very positive, but also love, quote unquote, can make people not the person that they truly are, which is not. A romantic thing it's a it's a sad thing mm-hmm. yeah and I think that that can also happen not even necessarily that the person that they're like partnering to is someone who is like no I want you to give up this thing that makes you happy but it's like a slow erosion of okay well it's easier for me if this happens instead and then it just eventually they just kind of are no longer the person that you, the the vibrant person you knew. And I think that's the fear for Pandora because I don't think Gabriel was going to say, no, you cannot do this thing that makes you happy. But you can also see him just kind of being like, and this is at this point in the book, obviously, like things change. But at this point in the book, you can also see him being somebody like, oh, well, why don't we just go to on vacation or on holiday for a month in Europe? And then she's like, okay. And then she has to like slow down her plans. And then she kind of gets behind or, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? In a way that like prioritizing his happiness over hers, which I don't think he would have done intentionally. And I think part of the thing that's good about Pandora being such a 
knowing who she is so fully at the start of the book that she's able to kind of be like, no, this is what is important to me. Like, I do love you and I do want to be with you, but this is remaining the most important thing to me. And that never really falters in a way that I do think is really interesting and doesn't happen a lot of times in books like this. It's, it's you know, it's sort of that cliche of like 90s romances where like if a woman is too into her job, the job, the the whole point of the movie is to get her to see like how silly it is that she's into her job, you know? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's so funny. There's so many jo- there's so many movies like that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I did not dislike Pandora. I mean, there's the thing with Lisa is that even with a character that is quote unquote quirky, she's able to make them palatable and interesting. Cause there's the part where Gabriel says, you know, uh, I can't remember exactly where it was, but I think it was after she had been injured and he was like taking care of her. And he said something about how he, he'll eat a carrot and he, cause he doesn't like carrots or whatever. And she goes, Oh, can I pick the carrot? As long as I can <laughs> pick the carrot. Right. Which is, a small thing, but it's funny, and it's specifically her funny, right? It's Pandora saying that is humorous because that's mm-hmm. her personality, and that's the kind of skill that that Lisa brings to to just books in general, you know? Yeah, and Pandora definitely feels like a fully realized person, and I think that's the other thing. It's like obviously we're giant Lisa Claypas fans. <laughs> Yes. And, uh, you know, it's like a bad Lisa Clay best book is still a very good book. And Mm -hmm. I would say the thing about this book is it very much feels like a book in the middle of a series, which isn't a a good or a bad thing. But I was like, I think if somebody were to just come across this book and have not read The Wallflower and like as their first Clay Fest book, I I do think it would kind of lose something because you need so much of like what happened before and what's going to happen after for it mm-hmm. to really feel complete, which is okay. I mean, it is, in the, you know, in the middle of a series, so. Because it is, it is a book about a unique woman with a strong sense of self learning to love and want to marry. Then at the end, it's a crazy conspiracy story <laughs> about the Irish terrorists who are trying to kill the what is it the the prince the guy wales. from wales with yeah, yeah prince of wales and that i think if you're reading this for the first time and this is the only lisa Claypus you've read you'd be like what the fuck is ha- what happened here at the end <laughs> but we know and this happens in a lot of romances it's not just a lisa thing but we've read enough Lisa to know that, like, occasionally this happens. And it's never bad, but in this case, it just gets really kind of ridiculous. And I could see somebody lose, not losing interest, but being like, oh, okay, I'm not sure if all the books are like this, if I'm going to be so into it. Yeah. Well, Lisa, it's always, like, just, like, a very, very dramatic third act, no matter mm-hmm. what. Yeah. And sometimes she nails it, and sometimes they get a little ludicrous, and that's that's one of these. Uh, this is one of those. But we do find out at the end that you know her 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 shopping spree, uh, her shopping spree game sold out. Mm-hmm. She's got ideas for other ones. She's got a kids book she wants to write, and she might be able to have surgery. Or not surgery, but she's going to be able to treat her inner ear problem. problem. Mm -hmm. And so she might be able to regain some of her hearing and get her equilibrium back, which is great to hear. Yeah, no pun. Now, mm -hmm. speaking of a shopping spree game, I'm curious. Did you ever play Mall Madness? Yes, of course. Okay. I didn't have Mall Madness, though, but my friend did. And so when I went to her house, we would play Mall Madness. She was my rich friend. Yes. I used to play Mall Madness with my sister and her friend. Mm -hmm. And I, again, as like, I probably mentioned this before in some episodes. I, I am an older gentleman. Back in the day, in my day, there is a very hard line of demarcation between 
boys games and toys and girls games and toys. Mm-hmm. And Mall Madness was firmly on the girls' side of that expanse. I would begrudgingly play this with my sister and her friend and loved every friggin' second of Mall Madness. <laughs> it was such a great, fun game. I loved that it talked. You press the button, and it'd be like, there's a sale at the kitchen store. And you'd be like, oh, cool. Go to the kitchen store. Because malls were a huge thing for us back in the day. I loved malls. And to mm-hmm. be able to play a game about malls was awesome. So that's why I was wondering if if it was still around when you were a kid. And definitely. I think it was kind of a perennial thing. Yeah. It was definitely around when I was a kid. And, like, mall culture was huge in a way that it yes. just, I mall culture does not exist now. Now, have you been to a mall lately? It's so depressing. Well, uh, the last time I was at a mall was the Grove. Uh, The Grove is bizarre. (laughs) I mean, the Grove is better than most malls, but it's like weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's technically a mall, but it's not a mall like we remember. Mm hmm. So, yeah. uh, But I don't frequent malls. Uh, I don't frequent malls. I, 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 other than the Grove, I don't think I've been to a mall in. God, probably 10 years, maybe more. Yeah. But that's why we need that shopping spree game. I know. I mean, listen, it it sounds like a great game. She's going to become like a gaming magnet. It's going to be amazing. So do do we have anything else? I mean, Drago slash Dragon is her footman slash bodyguard, and he's a pretty cool dude. And he saves her from being actually killed because he is able to block the knife enough that it doesn't Mm -hmm. completely kill her instantly. So he's a cool guy. I like him. I think the thing that I like, you know, I enjoyed Pandora more than you did, I think. And I, you could tell why people fell in love with her so quickly too. Like sometimes we, there are these heroines and everyone around them is obsessed with them. And you're kind of like, why? Like, what's... Mm -hmm. But for some reason with Pandora, I think it's like she's intelligent and she's really funny, but she is like a little bit naive in a way that isn't like grating, but feels kind of genuine that Mm -hmm. you would get like, oh, I get that Dragon would be upset, would be a little bit in love with her or would really, really care about her because, um, you know, she is so sweet and she's able to also like connect with people so easily she connects really easily with him. She connects with Mrs. O'Care, who does end up stabbing her, unfortunately. But that's something that started with William of Orange and has nothing to do with the two of them. You know, it's 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 an ongoing issue. Um, and I don't think Mrs. O'Care actually wanted to do it. No, she uh, like, felt they, bad. Yeah, she felt bad doing it. Yeah. Um, but let's actually, let's play a little game with you. So you have read now a significant number of romance novels. And I am curious in series if you are able to pick out the characters from this book that are going to have their own books. Have you noticed the signs yet? Oh, that's a great question. Well, I mean, we know Cassandra's going to have her book because mm-hmm. she's a Ravenel. So that's, that's I think, a slam doink, right? Yeah. Cassandra will have one, yeah. Yeah. And we've already met her partner, but... Oh, we have. In this book? Uh, he's not in this book. He was in the last book and the first book. I don't think he showed up in this book. I don't remember. Uh, wow. So, who else would get a book? Well, okay. For Hero... Mm-hmm. Is Ethan gonna be somebody's? Yep. Ethan Ransom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rans- Ransom, yeah. <laughs> who investigates Pandora's stabbing. And who does he then? Then it's gotta be Ravenel that he hooks up with. Or, no. I'll give you a hint that it's not one of the. It's not. Well, he doesn't end up with Cassandra, basically. She's the only one left. Oh. Oh, is it the doctor? Mm-hmm. So it's him and the female doctor. 
that's the next book. That's so interesting. Oh, good for good for them. Mm-hmm. This and female then, doctor had had delicate enough hands to do the surgery. Yeah, he says she had like thin hands. It was something where it was like uh, steady, all these positives, and then like thin hands. You know, like where they in that way where it's like. Uh, kids are great working with machinery because they got little hands and they can just put their hands right in the gear and pull stuff out. <laughs> so I thought that was funny. But yeah. okay, so that's the next book. And then your favorite book, the two we met both. Of, we didn't. We met one of those characters in this book, and then the other one was in this book. But we've known him the whole time. Oh, he's my guy, right? Who? The the Devin's uh, brother. West, yeah. Yes, okay. That So West is the hero of my cover that I covet. Mm-hmm. Oh, then that's... I, I, there's no way I'm not going to love that book. Yeah, and then the heroine we met in this book. Can you guess who it is? Oh, is Mrs. O'Care not dead? <laughs> <laughs> She did not commit suicide. <laughs> hmm No, that's not, it's not Mrs. O'Care. Oh, who is it? Her name actually isn't on this list that I gave you, so sorry. I, I missed one. Oh, I'm going to have a hard time then. Who is it? Do you want to know? Yeah, why not? It's uh, Gabriel's sister, Phoebe. Okay, so it is a de- okay, so it is all right, all right, cool. Hmm, yeah, that's gonna be so interesting. And did you know? I I think I might have mentioned this. I found that book mm-hmm. in a free oh, yeah. library. So you have it. I physically have it. So I'm gonna be chilling somewhere in a park somewhere, thumbing through that baby. You can go to the giant pool in Astoria Park and read it. I don't like Astoria Park. I go to Hunter's Point. Oh, okay. Very, very ritzy. Not ritzy, um, but it's nice. Yeah. Something that is interesting about um, the book, too, that I think it's funny, it's like it's a lot of the Ravenel series, it's really focused on the challenge, the the Lord St. Vincent and his family, but it's like there's three other sisters, there's three other wallflowers. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't see them as much. Although one of their daughters ends up with her own book. Okay. Um but yeah. I think it's it like this is a really fun book. You'll get through it really quickly. It's it is like very sexy. Oh, the other thing that made me laugh is like Gabriel's the the big issue that he has is he has these sexual proclivities and he's like I can't imagine that anyone would be able to satisfy them never mind like a well-bred woman. Whenever a book has a main, a hero who is like, I have sexual proclivities that no woman could ever contain, it's a, it's always tying them up. It's always, mm-hmm. that's always it. And so yeah. it is that, like, Gabriel is into tying, like, like very light BDSM or, yeah, bondage. Yeah. And it's, like, it's fine. And so, at a, like, they have sex at a certain stage and he takes, like, Pandora's, corset strings and ties her hands behind her back and then they have sex and Pandora's into it and really doesn't ever mention it (laughs) which I also think is like really funny is that he's like so stressed out and she's like nah that was cool like sex is fun I'm having a good time so yeah uh, that did make me laugh but overall I enjoyed this book I I think Pandora is definitely the standout of this book more than like remembering Gabriel and It was super fun to also see Evie and Sebastian. They open up the book, kind of. It, it's nice to see them yeah. throughout. So, uh, so mm-hmm. big question: Would you fuck them? Yeah, I'd think so. Definitely. You? I, I think I'd fuck Pandora, but I don't know if I'd fuck Gabriel. To be honest with you. Oh wow! Oh. I'd fuck his dad. And I'd fuck his mom, for sure. (laughs) And that's already been stated, I'm pretty sure. Either that or I said the thing where, like, they belong together, so I Mm -hmm. won't fuck them. But, like, now that I'm thinking about it, it's like, especially now that they're older, 
they've had so many years to just fuck each other mm-hmm. and do whatever crazy shit that if I jumped in there, it'd just be like a, a fun Friday night. Yeah, exactly. That's funny. Okay. So, Should we do Goodreads list? Let's do it. So best historical romances where the quiet, unusual girl gets the guy. I would say she's unusual, but not quiet. Not quiet, but unusual, yeah. Best humorous historical romances. I will say this book was funny. I, I thought it was really funny. There was a lot that I thought was interesting. Yeah. And Lisa always has the humor on mm-hmm. point, at least it, it for my taste. The dialogue is so good. Like, yeah. I, yeah, the dialogue is, is so good and so funny and sort of she's so good at creating these conversations where information is being revealed in not an overly heavy handed way. And it feels like they're just two people like playing with each other through language mm-hmm. in a way that I really love. So, you know, she's great. She's really good with character driven jokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which are the best. Always the best. Always yes. the best. And I think when we come across a book that is trying to be funny and we don't find it funny, and we are the arbiters of taste. <laughs> only well, for this we find, podcast, the very least. Yeah, exactly. Only what we find funny is allowed to, for anyone to find funny. And that's just facts. Um, but I think that's the issue is that you can see that it's the author's point of view or what the author finds funny sort of like pushed in there. But when mm-hmm. it comes from characters and characters' point of view and the joke that this character would make, then it's actually funny. And I think Pandora is like a naturally very funny person. So her talking is really funny. And Gabriel, you know, the same. So Yeah. Um, hot steamy central historical romance books. This is quite a bit of sex. Yes. Yes. Best historical romance is married couples. Mm-hmm. Historical romance, marriage of convenience slash arranged marriage. I mean, I guess it's like being compromised a marriage of convenience. Yeah. I do like that Devin and Pandora had that conversation where Devin is like, we'll be fine. We will figure it out. You do not have to marry him. And I yeah. liked how anti the marriage he was for most of it <laughs> because mm-hmm. he was just kind of like, I don't want to see kind of like the fire that we all love in you go away. And I thought that was really, really sweet, especially for Pandora, who had never had a father figure because her brother yes, was a dick well, and her dad was a dick. Yep. Hoyden's Blue Stockings and Tomboys in Romance. Okay. Well, she's a blue stocking. Mm-hmm. I don't know what a Hoyden is. um a hoited is like i always thought it was like like a devil like a like a devilish woman or like somebody who's like yeah like boisterous or like um uh i don't know what you would like i don't know what the modern equivalent of it is but somebody who's like kind of like loud and gregarious you know okay i wouldn't call her a tomboy no nurse back to health romance she gets yes. stabbed. Charmer, romance novel heroes with charisma. He did have charisma. He did. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's a guy who, who, yeah, he didn't have an issue in the woman department. No, no, no. Sweet and gentle alpha heroes. I mean, I guess, uh, again, we're like the alpha beta stuff I think mm-hmm. is a little antiquated. I, I don't know if he's really an alpha. He does have that weird thing where he was like, I need to protect her. And listen, yes. she did end up getting stabbed. But mm-hmm. I don't think that he could have predicted that that was going to happen. So, like, him being so overly protective of her was a little odd to me, you yeah. know? Yeah. Uh, in a way that, like, maybe, like, that was, like, a little alphaish. Um, oh, my God, you almost died. Straight edition. They're straight yes. and she almost died. Yes. Historical romance, famous families. Uh, yeah. That's it. Uh, Absolutely. Clayton, what are your tropes? So, I would say unusual heroine. Mm-hmm. Compromise, definitely. Bad dad, because, you know, she got mm-hmm. defified in one ear, which is bad. <laughs> uh, the nurse you back to health, hero nurses heroine back to health. And... 
board game creation, which is a big trope that is huge in, in a lot of romance <laughs> novels. Uh, and those are my tropes. What are your tropes, Aaron? So I have Hero Falls first. He falls in love with her very early in the book, and she's definitely still like, he seems okay, you know, in a way that I thought was interesting. Compromise, she, they get compromised. Oh, yeah, Marcus is at the, when he gets compromised, it's uh, Marcus from uh, It Happened One Autumn and just, like, this other asshole or the ones that find him. And Marcus yes. is like, listen, I didn't see anything. Like, he tries. Sweet Marcus. It's the other guy who is adamant. Yeah. Uh, heroin with ADHD. Second generation, because this is sort of like the second generation of the wallflowers. Heroin stabbed. Overprotective hero. Heroin doesn't want to marry. Bad dad. Isolated heroin. Uh Heroes into bondage, sunshine, sunshine hero. Because Gabriel is like very optimistic and positive mm-hmm. in a way that I think we come across so many brooding heroes. It is nice to have a guy who's like, ah, I think mostly things are going to work out. Yes. Um, heroin almost dies. Those are my tropes. Nice. Um, yeah. Any last final thoughts about Devil in Spring? No, I think, again, it's, like you said, it's a middle book. I enjoyed Mm -hmm. it. It was a solid Lisa Cleopas book, which, you know, there's, there's, you can't complain. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm not, I'm not gonna. I already complained to you uh, off mic about other stuff. There's nothing to complain about with this book. Yeah, I agree. It was a great book. And I loved it. I'm excited to be here for the Ravenels. And yeah. So, Clayton, what has you swooning this week? So, I, I, uh, <laughs> got, so I live, okay, I'm not going to give away too much information, but people already know I live in Queens, right? Yeah. I think. We've mentioned it before. And I had never ventured to Roosevelt Island. And I know you and Pat, when you lived in Queens, you had been there and, Mm -hmm. you know, you guys would go on runs there occasionally when you needed to do some mileage. And I recently started, you know, going on longer runs and things like that and visit Roosevelt Island and it's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And there's a little lighthouse at the one end and... There's art, and there's the other end is this big, weird complex now. You can, like, walk out and almost be, you know, like, on the edge of the water. And then Mm -hmm. there's the smallpox hospital right there. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. And it's just a beautiful area. And I love it. It's just cool to find a new place in the city that you've never been and... You know, New York is my favorite place in the world, and the fact that there's still places to discover is just great. It's why I love living here. Yeah. So, Roosevelt Island. So I'm swooning about an island. Yeah, it's a great island. Very cool. Have you been there recently? No. Okay. I probably haven't been there since before the pandemic. Okay. But I did a 5K where we ran around the island. It was fun. Yeah. It's so nice. Yeah. Because there's this little lighthouse and then there's these sculptures of like faces and stuff and and spheres. And Mm -hmm. it's really cool. Like on a a clear day, on a sunny day, you're right there on the edge of the water. You're seeing the waves and it's just it's just really cool. Nice. So, Aaron, what has you swooning? Um... This is hard. I didn't have anything. But I will say, so the book that I'm reading currently, the romance novel that isn't for the podcast, but it's just for pleasure, is a Lorraine Heath, which, you know. Oh, I'm rubbing obs- my hands together. Yeah, I'm obsessed with Lorraine Heath. We all are. It's another one in her series. And let me see what the name of the series is. Um, oh, Once Upon a Dukedom series. It's called The Return of the Duke. It's fantastic. Lorraine 
is the greatest at taking a trope that you're like, this is gross and I don't want to know about this and being like, I'm into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about this guy, uh, the hero's father has been tried and uh, executed for sedition for a plot to try to kill the Queen of England. And the hero is kind of investigating the the plot to see like who brought his father into it. Maybe his father is innocent and he ends up going to his father's mistress to try to see if she knows anything. And he and the father's mistress team up to kind of get to the bottom of things. And it's really, I mean, it's Lorraine Heath. It's amazing. It came out last month, so it's out available now. So, um, the whole series is really good, but The Return of the Duke by Lorraine Heath. Great. Yeah. And all right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So where can they find us, Aaron? So don't forget to rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcast. Uh, we are on Twitter at Learning Tropes, on Instagram at Learning the Tropes. And then we have our Facebook troop, the Learning the Trope troop. We have merch, which is linked below. You can email us any of your thoughts, anything at all, at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. And then we are on Patreon. So if you just go to patreon.com and search Learning the Tropes, we'll come up. It's $5 uh, a month if you want to join we're oh we're doing guys you have been demanding it and we are doing virgin river we're recording our first episode this week with producer patty you guys producer patty was so excited about this he um was giddy we watched the first two episodes last night already he couldn't wait they were fantastic so um all of our virgin uh, all of our virgin river episodes are already up if you haven't watched the show yet it's really fun and so we will be uh having uh, the fourth season yeah so just to be clear all of our pre all the previous season episodes are available so one two and three right mm-hmm. yes we're on our be main recording feed. The f- yeah yeah we're gonna be recording the fourth season we are recording our reviews of the fourth season. They'll be available first on the Patreon and then they'll move to the main feed. So if you do want sort of early access to those episodes, you can go ahead and join the Patreon. Yes. Yes. Do it. All right, guys. All right. Well, thanks so much and uh, happy reading. Happy reading.